thank you so much uh, for joining us and on this special edition of Down to Earth. It's Sunday morning, and we are so very grateful that you have taken time out to be with us and to experience what we would consider to be a rather unusual Sunday morning. I know it's Easter Sunday, and many of us have not even woken up, but the faithful few, right? The faithful few. We trust that as we continue, others will be blessed by participating with us this morning. And we thank you so much for joining us. It's quite the thing, isn't it? Quite the thing. Uh, It's rather unusual because it's the first Sunday morning in, in memory, in living memory, that we can recall not being able to participate in a church service. And uh, it's it's rather unusual to most of us. And it's time for us to perhaps pause and uh, think about uh, what we have seen in the last month. Uh, it's been quite the thing because we have seen where uh, in the last month the world has made radical decisions. And uh, those radical decisions that we have made, we have decided to shut the world down as we know it so that others can live, the people whom we love, the people who are valuable, people to whom we uh, determine are most valuable. And we have, we have shut down uh, our... Uh, We've shut down our our whole world just to accommodate those folks because we simply could not tolerate this virus. This virus has done a lot to to damage and to affect the way we have we have we are worshiping the way we work, and it's affecting the way that we we perform. We we don't even know how uh, to be to be honest with you. We're still trying to figure out how all of this is going to go. There are some things that we don't know yet. Uh, there are some things that we're not even sure of. But we're still going to trust God through this. There's still some things. Good morning, everybody. We're still trying to figure out. How are we going to do some things? You know what I mean? We're still trying to, we don't have it all together. We don't know what it is that we're missing. We don't know what it is, how this is all going to go. In fact, we have no guarantees of how this will end. Uh, Many people right now are using uh, this time to either reflect on what they need to do or people are using this time to figure out what I, mean, I mean, a lot of my Facebook friends are having parties, remote virtual parties on their Facebook page at nights. They're using Facebook Live to entertain themselves so they don't feel so compromised, so they don't feel so left out because we can't gather together in groups. When you think about it, the whole world has shut down. I mean, everything has gone to pot. Uh, clubs are not in session. Last night would have been a big club night. Friday night and Saturday night would have been a big entertainment night. It would have been Easter weekend. People would have traveled. They would have gone on vacation. They would have been on the beach. And somehow we have stopped all of that 
just so that others can live. What a love. When we think about the folks we have lost, we have lost a lot of people, especially here in some cities across the country, in Italy, in China, right, around the world, in Spain, in France, around the world, people have lost people who are valuable to them and whom they love. It's almost painful to read the obituaries that people print about the people they have lost. People have lost grandmas, grandpas, uncles, aunts, parents, cousins, friends, spouses. One woman in Flint, Michigan, lost her whole family. She lost her husband and then her young son three days later. He was only 20 years old. She lost her whole family. It was painful to watch the pictures as she stood in the funeral home saying goodbye to her son, and then to go to the graveside. And I'm saying it's we all know the impact of what people have lost and the loss that people are experiencing to see her pick up dirt in her hands because that's tangible, because now all she has is a memory. All she has are memories left of her son and her husband. And it's time for us to sit back, and perhaps this is for the rest of the month, if they restart the economy at the end of April or May. But it's time for us now, having looked at all the other stuff that we have lost, it's time for us to start looking inward. It's time for us to look inward because as we look inward, we're going. it's going to cause us to look upward. What do we fundamentally believe? If, if, having, if, 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 the, if the whole world had to be shut down and we had to not celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday. That should tell us something, doesn't it? That tells us that those celebrations are not important to God, that those are traditions of men that we commemorate and memorialize, just like we commemorate and memorialize the lives of those who have gone. It doesn't mean that we pause and stop as if they don't exist anymore or they never existed. Well, it's in the same way we should hold up Jesus Christ. The fact that every year we, we celebrate Easter and Christmas by rote doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't exist. Doesn't mean he never existed. You see what I'm saying? So if it is that important, it tells you how important human life is. What is the cost? Jesus paid the price 2,000 years ago for the cost to make sure that we can access God at all times. Our hearts are open. Look at what has happened now. The whole world has shut down on Easter Sunday because our lives are that important to God. It's something for us to think about. What a love is this? What type of love is this? This is love in action. As we think about Easter, think about what we have endured. I know many people are talking about their businesses. I, too, I can only say that I don't know if I'm going to get the grant or not because everything has been placed on hold. I don't know if I'm going to get the grant or not. So I, too, I'm losing money. A grant that was guaranteed, a grant that was going to be the difference between keeping our doors open to effect the repairs we need on our business shelter, that grant is now on hold because of this. Do you see what I mean? There are people who have lost business, who have lost significant revenue. That, too, has been placed on hold. There are people 
right now who are losing, about to lose it. They were always within a few inches losing it. But now they're about to lose their home. I saw a post on Facebook that captured this very effectively. And the post said, always knew we were one paycheck away from losing everything. And now we know that that is true. It's not just people. It's also businesses. Many businesses are on the brink of collapse. Many small businesses, small businesses drive the American economy because small businesses employ people and keep the economy rolling. Small businesses like restaurants, we never realized how valuable those were. They keep people employed. Small businesses like hairstylists and barbershops and and supplies places, those keep the economy rolling. Small businesses like wedding photography, wedding photographers, they keep the economy rolling. Wedding venues, nobody's getting married now. Everything has been pushed back. Small businesses are paying the price. Big business has access to the feds. They can go to the feds and ask for a bailout, and electronically, money is fluffed into their bank accounts electronically, so they have access to trillions and billions of dollars. But what about small businesses to get anything for small business folks? There are people who have lost friends and family. There are people who have lost the whole way of life. And, you know, it's interesting because as we pause, everybody's saying, well, when we come out of quarantine, I'm going to run out on the street and I'm going to do that. You know what's going to happen? It's not going to happen like that. This is done. You're not going to find yourself running towards anything. You're not going to find yourself resuming life as normal because it is not normal. It's not going to be business as usual, and it's not going to be back to normal. Something is going to happen from the sky that is going to cause us to look up, and we're going to look up. Something is going to happen that we're going to stand and look up to the sky and realize that only God can save us. This has been coming for a long time. We just never stopped to think about it. People like me who have been talking about this, you know what happened to us? said we were negative because we weren't saying what they want us to say, which is to focus on light which is to focus on being happy and always in a constant state of running from one party to the other, one fix to the other that keeps you in this perpetual state of needing entertainment and being merry. That's not what it is. The Bible says have a merry heart. But the merriness does not come from a constant state of always seeking external stimulation. It wasn't that a merry heart is being at joy and at peace with yourself. A merry heart is knowing that you've worked hard, you've provided for your family, so therefore you can relax. A merry heart is knowing that God has got your back. Be anxious for nothing. That's what a merry heart is. But instead we were running to and fro. And even right now, we're still doing that. Even right now, because we're having parties. People are dressing up like they're going to their living room and posting pics in an effort to be entertained. I'm just going to the living room, so I'm going to dress up. What about folks like me? This is my business. I was dressed up every day. Folks who got dressed up and they're going to their living rooms and then they're having virtual parties where they're simulating having sex and all kinds of stuff to keep entertained. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying that it's going to change. 
by the end of this process, our hearts are going to be cleansed and we're going to change. We're going to begin to see what is important. Maybe we abandoned our relatives in nursing homes. Just a few days ago in Wayne County, Michigan, there was a report that folks from a nursing home, that over 14 people from a nursing home died as a result of coronavirus. Shocking to the people whose relatives were there. And they had to let everybody in the nursing home was just cleaned out. They, everyone else was infected. The people whose relatives are there says they were shocked. I'm not shocked because they were always vulnerable. We never went to visit our families or parents in nursing homes. In fact, it was not convenient or expedient for us. We dropped them off at the nursing home as soon as they became a problem when they were too much to take care of because our lives were too busy. We had too much to do. We just dropped them off and leave them and abandon them in nursing homes. Similarly, that's what we do with our children. We abandon our children in front of television because we're too busy, because making so much money and making sure you have everything your heart could ever desire was more important than the health, the mental health, emotional health, and security of your child. We convince ourselves that our child has to have soccer lessons and piano lessons and ballet lessons and Mandarin lessons and lessons in French and lessons in Greek and lessons in everything. We convince ourselves that we have to work hard to provide that. We convince ourselves that our child needs to live in an 8,000-square-foot home that costs us three to $5,000 a month in mortgage, and we convince ourselves that that is just life and we have to do it. We convince ourselves that the only college they can go to is Yale, Princeton, and Harvard, and if they don't get into those colleges, then life is not life. We convince ourselves that we have to send our kids to private school and pay $20,000 a year for each child. We work so hard, we have no time to think, and it never occurred to us to stop and think about what this child needs. And now, during this quarantine, we're beginning to find out that they didn't need all of that, that what they needed was you. They just needed your attention. They needed to be able to see you. They needed to know that you cared. And it didn't matter if the house was 900 square feet or 9,000 square feet or 90,000 square feet. What mattered was you. We're all finding that out now. We also found out that we probably didn't need to do all that surgery to keep our spouses. We could have worked out. We could have eaten less. But we went and paid for expensive surgery. A lot of people had to have those surgeries canceled. A lot of people were going to get their butts enlarged, get breast augmentation, do fat, take fat off their tummies, home looking at each other, and then you begin to realize when people started dropping around you, you just wanted the person. You didn't care what they looked like. You didn't care if they gained 20 pounds over a lifetime of giving birth and carrying children. You didn't care if they gained 20 pounds because he had to work so hard and was so stressed out. All of a sudden, we're beginning to find out what really matters. Preachers this morning are beginning to appreciate the start of starting young because they got so big. They became too big to fail. They forgot what it means to have to really worship God with nothing and walk by faith. They were too big to fail. They were more concerned about the look, about the perception of people, and that they had to look like they were rolling with the big ones. 
were to, they forgot who it is that we are worshiping. Paying attention to the small, no, I can't see with that person. They will damage my image. No, I can't touch the people. They have diseases. Everybody is now walking in a disease-filled environment. Preachers this morning are going back to basics and picking up a camera and giving the Holy Eucharist. This morning, it's virtual. Isn't God virtual anyway? We say that God is omnipresent, isn't he? So he's virtual. He was always there with us. Now they're really finding out the meaning of that. And then you look at our leaders, yeah? People in civic leadership, people in leadership in your towns and cities and counties and in our states. Let's examine them for a minute. They ran for office. They wanted to be appointed to places. They say, of course I can lead. And yet this pandemic caught everybody flat-footed. Now we, the public, realize leaders, what kind of leaders are they? They had not a plan. They had no scope that something like this could happen. They never imagined in their wildest dreams that this could ever happen. How are you going to be a leader? And one of the key components of your job is forecasting. And yet you didn't forecast Jack. You didn't forecast anything. How? But they walked around and strutted as if they were significant and important. You couldn't talk to your leaders. You couldn't gain access to them at City Hall. You, couldn't, you dared not talk to them. The Internet was introduced as a leveler and the playing field. God has leveled the playing field and made us all masters of the Internet. Now we have no choice but to sit before a camera and talk to people just like everybody else. You couldn't get to them. They rode around in their vehicles with tinted windows. They're so important and so filled with pomposity. And now we realize that what were you planning on leading anyway? Because a pandemic happened and shut the place down for a month and everybody got sick. So what, what, what were you planning in all those planning sessions and all those meetings? If you call them, I got a meeting to go to. The other day I called the uh, city councilman from my area to get something done, and he's too busy. He wouldn't have anything until April because he was so busy. And I told the woman, I said, that business is going to be struck down. I told his assistant, I said, so he's too busy to talk to the people. I said, it's about to be leveled. Guess what happened? Within two weeks, there was the coronavirus leveling everybody up. Yet we spent time thinking we were so important. People were partying. There's a report that the president, the week before, everything went sour. The president was too busy partying and golfing and fundraising. He didn't pay attention to what the bureaucrats were trying to tell him, that this had come to the shores of the United States and was a problem in Washington State and was going to be a problem in New York. He was too busy partying. He's just symptomatic and emblematic of the rest of us. Where were the rest of us? Partying. In early March, people were partying and ballroom dancing and having the time of their lives. Nobody thought to give a thought to what would happen if something like this happened. Whereas there were people like me who were voices crying in the wilderness. And I was, we were marginalized. Even now, you can't get a person to listen. They want to hear. What they want to hear is all, I'm going to party tomorrow. And I'm going to live it up with a bottle of champagne. And I'm going to dance with whoever with my titties out. 
That's what people want to hear. I kid you not. They don't want to hear to cleanse ourselves. They don't want to hear the message of forgiveness. And yet here we are. We were so busy living our lives. The very city leaders were so removed from the people. The very leaders of our county and state, they drove past homeless increments. People living on the streets. And I can't help that. The mayor of the city of Detroit gave a speech recently in which he said the city was losing $640,000 a day in revenue from the casinos. He said already the city's budget was in deficit by $100 million. Then we found out that they haven't even used up the money for the budget for the last year. So he's making a projection that hasn't even happened yet. Because the money they used to buy the equipment came out of a general fund that was flush with money. Do you see what I'm saying? Profits over people. We're looking at how corporations will benefit and leave the people dying. People are on the bus, no plexiglass around the bus drivers. People are sick on the bus just riding the bus because they don't have anything else to do. So they just ride the bus and cough and spit on people. This is what we were focused on. We were not focused on people. We did care about each other. We didn't care if somebody, that's their problem, let them figure that out. I'm just going to keep it moving. Don't talk to me. Don't touch me. This was the attitude. Even the preachers in big churches, you couldn't get to him. Are you kidding me? Could you? Could you get to preachers in big churches? No. Maybe a small church, you say, praise the Lord. He's too important to talk to you or to touch you. Well, who is he representing? Look at, look, at, look at us now. We made fun of people who homeschooled their children. And now look at us. Happy Easter, baby. Look at us now. We never used to cook. I'm guilty of that. I'm just going to be transparent. I never cooked so much like I've cooked in this quarantine. I regained my cooking skills that I never knew. I, I, I could do that. I was making macaroni and cheese this morning from scratch. And my daughter was like, Mom, if you ever not make this again, because she's like, and I'm like, skills, I forgot I had. I had to go find. I had to go resurrect my cooking skills. I had to go resurrect skills of aloneness. You know how you cope with being alone? And then I found out that I've been alone for so long that being alienated from people was just a phone call and a text message that I could still see them virtually made us realize what is important and what is not. I'm going to help us all. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you get through this because we're going to pray the Lord's prayer because we have become so caught up in ourselves. We've forgotten. We don't think about women who are being beaten and who had to run to a domestic violence shelter. You know the excuse we give? That's her problem, why she went with him in the first place. Did it occur to us to just be kind? Right now, if you know of a domestic violence shelter in your area, I want you to drop it on my my Instagram feed, my Twitter feed, and my Facebook feed. Just drop the name and at Harriet Kamek so I can see it. Right, and that the people around me can see it so that my team can see it. I'm going to send them copies of my book so it will help them get through this. 
we never thought about the least among us. Look at Jesus. He was the king. Of, he was the son of God, wasn't he? Came down from heaven, left all that, and became the least of us. And what did they, he, he proved it. He was despised and reviled of men, spat on and beaten and killed on. But finally, they beat him to pulp for what he believed. Is that the same thing that is happening today? People who stand up for justice. People who stand up for what is right. Let, let, let me tell you a story that I read about that really em, em, uh, symptomizes us. Let me put it into words that we can all relate to. The Wayne County jails are run by the Wayne County sheriffs, like how the system operates all over the country. It's not unique to Michigan. A man went into the Wayne County jails for six months for driving under the influence. He was sentenced to six months. We're not going to debate whether that is true or not. It happened the virus while in jail. When he got so sick, the people in jail are kind of inoculated. They don't know what's happening in the community. So they didn't know that the virus was something. He was just having real bad diarrhea and vomiting, and they just thought he might have eaten something. They didn't realize that it was a virus that they needed to be protected from. But the people who worked in the jail knew that. Right? Right? And the people who worked in the jail knew that, and because they knew that, they didn't do anything about it. So you know what they did? They discharged this man and gave him a bus ticket. He got on the wrong bus. Instead of going to Taylor, Michigan, he went to Suffield, Michigan. Then he got on a cab to go to Taylor, where he got home and died. The CDC says, one person infects 40 persons. When he got on that bus, he infected 40 people. When he got in the cab, he infected the, the cab driver, who then infected 40 people. That one man is responsible for 1,600 infections. This happened in mid-March. So by the end of, uh, by the end of March to this month, we're going to find out how many people just suddenly are start showing up sick. Sick. The family of the man says that nobody, the Wayne County Jails, did not, did not send a medical person to take the temperature or to treat the inmates. At first, I just read it like a story. But then, yesterday, somebody posted on my Instagram timeline that I needed to pay some attention to this. They posted a video of, uh, of inmates in the Wayne County Jail who are saying they have not been treated, that they have not been given masks nor gloves, that they're using towels and masks to prevent them from getting infected. They had no idea until their family members went to visit them that this was something happening in the society. That's how we treat the least of these. Now, you've got to understand that we, these people are in jail because they have committed heinous acts, because the Wayne County uh, Sheriff said they released most people except felon, people who have committed dangerous crimes, people who are violent criminals. You know what's going to happen eventually around the country? All jails are going to be mass infected. We're going to have mass burials, and it's going to come up before us. Because those were the least of these, that the people who were in charge of them were too arrogant to pay attention to. They're nobody. I'm too important. I am this king and this and that. And they became so arrogant and ignorant 
of even those people. It's going to be our problem. Just like we mistreated people in nursing homes, we wouldn't go and visit our family and our relatives. So other people had to do it. So they became arrogant. They don't want to bother with that. They want to be an Instagram influencer and they want to be famous. They don't want to work like that. So they mistreat people. All of this is coming up before us. We mistreated children. We were too busy having fun. We smoked and drank our way through life and damaged our children from they were in our wombs. Then we gave birth and we don't care what happens to them. We mistreated our children. We had sex with other people before them. We took drugs before them. We prioritized work and drugs and relationships before our children and damaged them. And now our children end up in foster care. It didn't matter to us. We went and robbed banks because we want to live big. We went and killed people because it is so important to us. And then our children end up paying the price. We abandoned them because that's abandonment. We mistreated our spouses, the other group of people. They're not important. No, you're not important. Every time your spouse said, can I spend time with you, and you said no, you're telling them that they're not important. You mistreat the king and queen of our domain. Similarly, we did the same thing with our children. I'm too busy. Can't you see I'm studying? Can't you see I'm reading? Leave me alone. And abandon and hurt people whom we claim we love. But guess what? They're all before us now. It comes up before us. We look at people and we judge them. I read a report yesterday. My daughter brought something to my attention last night about China mistreating Africans in China. Now, when the rest of the world would not go to invest in Africa because of racism, China saw an opportunity because Africa, as you know, is rich with resources. So China saw an opportunity for them going to Africa. So that we can't give you money, but we can fix your roads. We can help you build your hospitals. But in exchange, you give us this. Give us a mine over here or there. I kid you not. That's what people told me. Africans began trading with China because they could go to China and buy stuff. So the closest city is Guangzhou. Guangzhou is an important manufacturing city. In China, I don't know why they haven't focused on it much because there's a lot of coronavirus there. And Guangzhou just happens to be where a lot of manufacturing takes place in China. That means GM and, 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 and uh, the other one and Chrysler have what? Business. A lot of companies have business in Guangzhou. What do you think happened in Guangzhou? Chinese people start picking on Africans who are there working and who are also traders. So they buy goods for cheap in the manufacturing hubs around Guangzhou and then take it back to Africa to sell. So China is looking for someone to blame for the coronavirus. So they start blaming Africans. They start uh, wanting to take away their passports, deporting them. They evict them from homes and put them on the streets because China looks so bad to the world and they're so conscious about their image that they want to blame Africans. Because the coronavirus, they want to say Africa is responsible for the coronavirus. No. You remember the Ebola virus? They blame that China used to laugh at folks in Africa for the Ebola virus. Well, it's their turn. They created the coronavirus. It's biological warfare that they've exported to the rest of the world. You can tell I'm not a fan of China, not by any stretch of the imagination. So 
when in retrospect, I'm looking at it now, and I'm like, the president wasn't wrong when he said the virus came from China. Did, is, is he? He's not. Because now Chinese, Chinese people are mistreating Africans, putting them out of their homes and leaving them on the streets so they can't work, they can't eat. Because of the coronavirus. They're going to pay the price. It has to be paid. Do you understand? Abandon people, the least of these. We've hurt people. We've driven past shelters. I'll tell you something that had to happen to me. I had to come to the point where I recognized how easy it was to slip from being here to being on the other side, to understand that. And I was so moved that I took my own money and went and started a shelter out of pocket to provide, so that everybody whom I came across, who is a trafficking victim, who is an adult female, does not have to live on the street. Because it finally came to my mind, like, how do people survive? But we're too arrogant for that. I went to my church, the church I attended, and asked them for help. And they just looked at me. They didn't help. I said, you're going to pay the price for this. I said, because these are homeless people who can't do better. And you would not help me to help them. I didn't ask you to give me a house. I already had the house. All I asked was take up a fundraising drive for hygiene stuff, y'all. I didn't ask them to write me a check. That's all I asked, and they wouldn't do that. I said, you're going to pay the price for this. Their services are being conducted virtually this morning because all of this has to come up before our face. All of it, all this stuff. We think we're clean and clear and righteous. We think we're so much better than everybody else. We think that our money gives us layers of protection between us and disaster. Truthfully, we all want to have money because nobody wants to be broke. Look at what is happening in our community today, in our country today. Do you realize how much our school, the next problem we're going to have is, you know, you all know it, is what? Food distribution. Our food supply system has been interrupted. What happens is we're a rich country. We just don't, we have layers. So there are different distribution points, but those places that stored up food, they're empty now. They'll go to the grocery store. Is there is a reason why there's nothing on the shelves? They don't have it. It's not that they put it all on the shelves last night at 10 o'clock and by 8 o'clock this morning, the shelves are empty. They don't have enough because our food supply has been compromised, the distribution. Now, this is the richest country in the, in the world. If we're the richest country and we're going to have a problem with food distribution and food supply, what do you think is happening in Africa and nations of the Caribbean? What do you think is happening there? We were so caught up. We lived only for ourselves. How many of you paid for vacations to go to uh, Dominican Republic and then this happened? How many? I, I, I'm laughing with you. I'm, I'm laughing with you. Because now you're looking at it like, Man, this is folly. You're even wondering if the airline is going to honor your ticket. And you're probably thinking, well, we can go after this is over. No, you're not. It will not be safe to travel for six months. If you don't believe me, step on the plane, go outside of the country. And when you see what happened in the rest of the world, I kid you not, it's going to take us 
the rest of the year into early next year to get over this. So now what do we do? At what point do we say, Lord, I recognize that we have done enough. If you had to cancel Easter, and by the way, how significant is Easter to most of us? Many people over the years spent Saturday night in the club. My sister, you know it's true. We, we can witness that. And then show up for Easter Sunday at church. May the Lord bless you too, right? How many of us have done that, people? We were in the club, jollification, rocking it out. And then Sunday morning, we're struggling to church, feeling the need that I better ask God for forgiveness. But then as soon as the church service is over, you're out of there. You don't see church again until Mother's Day, then Christmas. We used to call them CME, Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter, the ones who only come to church on those days. Now, many of us want to go to church. And the church doors are closed. You can't even get into church. Now you're going to honor the God who made church. Is it, was it really about church? The Bible says do not forsake the assembling of the brothers. But guess what? The assembling of believers. But guess what? You can assemble virtually right now. This is an assembly right now. Do not forsake it, but God canceled it because he's showing us that he is God. We look at this thing, and this is a plague. This is a plague. Go read Exodus, the first 10 chapters of Exodus. This is a plague. Do you know that a couple months ago there were locusts flying across Africa? Do you know the locusts have returned they're seven times bigger than they were before. It's like the first time you didn't get the message. You get it now. For us here in Detroit to recognize that this was a problem, you know what we had? We had to lose people whom we love. It's so bad they have a memorial page set up on Facebook, Detroit Cove Memorial. I kid you not. If you go in there, it's a roll call of people who have left because of the virus. Some of them were giants, what we would call giants of the faith, or at least that's what we thought. They were bishops and elders and, and church mothers. You know, it bothers me because personally, every time I see one of those pictures, I'm like, this was an integral part of somebody's family. Every time I see somebody over 50, I'm like, that was somebody's matriarch, somebody's father. That was the, it, the glue that connected families together. It breaks my heart. You have no idea. My grandmother is in her 90s. I am praying for her. When I tell you that I didn't know I have a prayer life, I'm praying for my grandmother. I'm, like, I'm just at the point where I'm like, there is a steel guard of prayer around my family. My, mom, my grandmother, almost said my mother, my grandmother and my children and myself. It's time for us to pray. We've got to come back to basics. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 that whenever we pray, say this. In other words, what Jesus was saying, if you don't pray any other prayer, say this prayer. The third century bishop said this about prayer. He said that everything that humanity needs is contained in the Lord's Prayer. If you have never prayed before, if you don't know how to say a prayer, 
I'm going to show you what Jesus said. This is the one prayer. This is, these are all the words. It's found in Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to read it for you. And I'm reading it from the New King James Version because it is important that we pray. This week, we're going to need to pray. This week, we're going to need to go to God and ask him for forgiveness for all the things that we have done, sins of omission, sins of commission, stuff that we forgot about, stuff that we, all the things we have done to people and people have done to us, all the things we've been carrying because we said, I'll never set foot in a church because so-and-so hurt me. I'll never talk to God. I'll never pray to God. I will never, never, because somebody hurt us. The person who molested me at six years old was a deacon of the church. He was a high tower in the church. He was an outstanding man of the community. He molested me and had sex with me at six years old. He's dead now, but I had to go to God and ask for forgiveness so that I could have a heart to love my own children and have mercy on people like me. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, let's go there. We're going to pray and believe God. We got to go. It's time to get out of here. But we're going to pray and believe God. And we're going to hold this prayer over us this week. Because whatever comes, whatever betides us this week, we got to know that God is in control. We got to, we don't have a choice. We're going to have to trust God that what he says and that his words are true. Forget about the pump and circumstance, and all the celebrations we were going to have in Easter Sunday. We were going to buy out Macy's, and we're going to buy out Saks Fifth Avenue. We were all going to eat brunch after Easter Sunday service was over. Y'all remember that, don't you? Well, none of that matters right now. What we need this week is prayer for every man unto his season. This is the season for this seven days. We're going to need to say this prayer. It's in Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus said these. I'm reading from the New King James Version. He says, and when you pray, pray in this manner. Say it with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hello, somebody. We need to honor the name of God. We need to stop saying Jesus just randomly. We need to hallow and be his name. Hallelujah. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Accept it that all of these things we are seeing is as a result of what we have done. Accept it. Just this day, our daily bread, food supply is compromised in many parts of the world now, and it's going to be compromised here. We're going to have to say, give us this day, our daily bread. You're going to have to pray that the Lord will feed me this day. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's already decided in heaven. Accept it. Give us this day. And forgive us our debts. Forgive the things that we have done. Forgive the things that we have done. And here's this part. As we forgive those who have hurt us. All of the hurt. All the abandonment. All the issues that fired you. In the midst of a pandemic, they fired you. Forgive them. Move on. And ask the God of heaven to provide. And do not lead us into temptation. Y'all still doing virtual hang, uh, hangouts? Yeah? So pretty soon you're all going to start saying, I can't take any more of this. My flesh is starving. 
and then you call somebody over, and before you know it, you get a coronavirus. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We're going to need to say that this week. For thine is the kingdom. There is no kingdom but the kingdom of God. I know we all set up kingdoms in our homes, in our churches, in our businesses. I am the king. I am the queen. There is nobody but me. There is one king, and that's whom we're going to honor this week. The power and the glory forever. Amen. Matthew chapter 6. Go read it. From verses 8 onwards, start reading it. That's where you will find these words. Eternally memorialized as a reminder to all of us that God is in control and that whatever we need during this time, whatever we are going to need, God has it. That this is a time that we're going to take and mend our hearts. And we're going to ask God to forgive us for what we have done. Since we have done. I know it's not politically correct to talk about a sin, but you know you did something that you felt that little voice inside that said you shouldn't do. We live under the age of grace. The Bible says, Jesus said, okay, we left the Ten Commandments. You all ruined that. Love one another. The sins of omission. What we should have done. We should have called that person. We should have texted that person. We should have given to that person. We should have been better with that person. We think we have so much we can give. This is not just this generation. It's the generations before. They left us that legacy too, where they thought they were better than people, so they mistreated people. And sometimes we and I walking around wondering what the heck is going on. Sins of omission, sins of commission. We have hurt and damaged people whom God has placed in our lives. We have looked at people and thought we were better than them. One, you know, at some time ago, many years ago, I once asked a pastor, why don't you have a feeding service for the people who live around your church? He said, no, he couldn't do that. So I said, why? I couldn't believe it. I said, the smaller churches do. Why? He thought his building was too big and too pretty to have regular people. I said, why don't you open it for the homeless to sleep during winter? He said, no, I'm not going to bring those people into my church. They're going to bring all kinds of stuff into my church. It wasn't a church. It was just a building. The Holy Spirit doesn't dwell in buildings made of head by hands. He dwells in here. He has this treasure in this vessel. It's what's in our hearts. I used to look at that and wonder what kind of price that that was going to pay for this. This is it. I myself have wondered what price am I paying and what did I not do? What did I not do? And I started asking for forgiveness. Was there somebody who came across my path that I didn't help? Was there someone whom I should have instructed? Did I harden my heart to people because they hurt me? People don't understand what grace and compassion is until you have to help somebody who hurt you the most. And you have to turn around and be that help for them. That's grace. So on this Easter Sunday, these are the things we need to think about. I know they're preaching sermons about Christ's Christ rose 2,000 years ago, brother. Christ rose 2,000 years ago. As he rises up, he rose, he done did that. 
we have been focused on the wrong thing for 2,000 years. That was not the focus every Easter Sunday. The focus was always on now that he has risen, how are we treating people? That's what we should have focused on. We should have focused on how are we dealing with people? Have we forgiven them? Have we asked God to forgive us for the things that we have done? May these words find you in a place this week where you meditate and think about them. May the mercies of God be upon me and you this week. And may you know the peace of God in the midst of a pandemonium, in the midst of not knowing, in the midst of uncertainty. May the peace of God come to your rescue. My name is Harry Kimmer. This has been Down to Earth. It's Sunday morning. Have a peaceful Easter Sunday and go cook something. I've been cooking. I feels like, well, you know how that is. I'm still a mom, so I still have to cook. So I can't do. Couldn't find a ham for more than a month. So I had to do a pork butt and some baked chicken and all that stuff. You know the, the the fixings, as they would say, that go with that. Go cook something today, and have a virtual meal, even if you can't invite. I know loneliness is killing some of us, but you're not alone. Just reach out. Just cook something. And invite all of us to view your cooking and your living room so we can all commiserate and be with one another. After a while, this is all that it's going to be. Thank you so much, everybody. Be blessed. Have a happy Easter Sunday. Have a happy Easter Sunday, y'all. Hey, Facebook. Be blessed.